really closing off from the outside world here and drawing inwards. Follow your rhythm of breath. Take one more inhale on this side. If you're lucky enough to be practicing with someone, just noticing the energy you get by practicing with a real live human being beside you. If you're practicing by yourself, just noticing where your energy is being directed. Give yourself some love, some compassion. Welcome to episode four, Shavasana part two, a conversation on yoga, climbing and healing with Jonathan Fair, yoga instructor and co-founder of Fair Yoga and Su Yong Chun, chief compliance officer at Payfair, co-founder and chair of the nonprofit Key Education Project and a part-time yoga and fitness coach. This is Julian. Together, Clark and I will be hosting today's discussion. In episode three, we talked about liminal space. Episode four is about what happens afterwards, focusing on vulnerability, giving care, listening to our bodies, our inner selves, and to each other. You know, there is something that uh, Jonathan said about mm-hmm. going into and observing moments, what I call moments of vulnerability. One thing I notice about both your classes is you don't judge, you know. There can be beginners, there can be really, really good people. There can be people who you know, are obsessed with looking at themselves in the mirror. Uh, and, some, and sometimes I do that, <laughs> or I think a lot, of, a lot of times I do that. And you talk about overreach. There's always a feeling of, hmm, should I expand a little bit more? Should I, should I stop? Um, Mm-hmm. And then I make a decision to share a little bit more, sure. uh, or I make a decision to ask a little more probing question. And I get, and we both get into a really, really interesting place. Like you say, a place of real authentic authenticity, you know, a place where all of us should be getting into more and more. Yes. So I think your yoga is also a little bit like that. So you get into uncomfortable poses. It's like weighing how far you go and how far your body can stop at that moment. You get what I mean? I do. I do. Yeah. And I think when we talk about like the mind-body connection, Hmm. it's like one informs the other. It's going both directions at all times, which is why yoga ends up being a bit of a double-edged sword where it's really great when things feel really great. But you also notice when things are really tough, you really feel it. Like you really notice the, the aches and the pains and the different things, but we kind of, we need that. Like we need that connection to like how we're feeling. Sometimes, like I, I remember before I did yoga, like I still have it happen now. I, I can't say like, I'm that different, but I, you know, I'd have days where I, I'd, I'd just be in a crappy mood, but not really understand why. And now, like it or not, most of the time I'm in a bad mood, I know why. I kind of am able now to feel it on my body or I'll, I'll sit in meditation. Like I've had this thought that keeps coming up and I'll start seeing the pattern. And even though it's something that I'm like, you know, maybe I'll just, I'll just kind of push it off to the side. It's like, no, I can't push it off to the side anymore. The mind body heart connection is about creating the space to reflect on thoughts, feelings, and actions before they get lost in too much chatter. So yoga for me is, you know, I talk about yoga as being like my refuge. 
it is you know something I need to center myself to reset I feel that when I come to my mat I can be you know whatever I am that day Mm. you know I I find the mat is a place of non-judgment you can do and be whatever you want on your mat and that's why I talk about my yoga practice is a bit solitary even if you're in a class I love the energy of being in a class but the practice I feel is still my own so to me yoga even in a hard physical class it still definitely has this um, inner reflective piece to it whereas climbing to me like that is a bit more rambunctious if you will that's you know with your friends and you're having fun and that to me is more of a physical challenge which is oh my gosh I'm just gonna get it. Yoga, climbing and living with cancer are also about those moments where you hold your breath and you start believing that you can't. But you don't just stay there. You exhale, continue breathing, and move on. And then there is also those awkward moments. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, when I feel like I can't finish, off the, finish any of the workouts that you're doing. You know, when we're doing a Zoom class every Saturday, and you're doing a 150 <laughs> goddess squat, and I'm, uh, or let's say 20 goddess squat, and I'm quietly uh, ending up with just 10, you know? <laughs> you know? Or when I'm trying to do a certain, uh, you know, move, and I get, it, I get the sequence wrong, and I get my mm-hmm. body twisted, yeah. you know? But then both of you come back in a very non-judgmental way, and you say, okay, let's do it, let's do something else, or let's do it again, or, you know, there's no judgment. Mm-hmm. It's understanding that that is where your body is, that doesn't necessarily mean your body will always be like yeah. that, but respect the fact that your body is there. And I think about that in, as a metaphor for where I am in my treatment. And sometimes I can get so frustrated and so angry that, and so, you know, I just feel so bad that, that I'm not able to do some of the things that I can do, you know, that I used to do, like uh, go travel, go on mission in this country. And then I just have to stop and, you know, and just enjoy and just wonder at what I can do now um, with the yoga, with the climbing and with the coaching and with the way I'm impacting on others. And then I recover. So it's, it's both that combination of looking inward on yourself, knowing what you can do and knowing what you cannot do, and then humbly accepting it. And then moving on and getting surprised again. Mm-hmm. And moving, or moving on, moving strong, moving fast, and getting surprised again. Mm-hmm. It's like a cycle, yeah. it's like a rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, you, you always have to get back to what I call Savasana, or what, uh, some, that Savasana moment, where you lie down like a corpse, um, yeah. you know, the corpse pose, and you just mm-hmm. settle. The conversation on Shavasana reminds us of Lynn Unger's poem, Pandemic. Cease from travel, cease from buying and selling. Give up just for now on trying to make the world different than it is. Center down. And when your body has become still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. I was listening to another podcast and <laughs> he was the person who's a, uh, you know, a spiritual leader was talking about this podcast, this is, uh, sorry, this mm. COVID-19 
as a moment where you hold your routine in parentheses. Mm. Mm-hmm. In other words, you create, because you can't do your routine, you know, you're put in a situation where you have to think, where you, you spend a lot of time with yourself, you spend a lot of time um, assessing, weighing things, looking at what's important, what's not important. And so I think Sabasana or the whole yoga practice is also like that. You know, sometimes you just have to put your usual self in parentheses and pause and discover um, how strong you really are if you look at strength in a different way. It's okay to be lying in Shavasana feeling n- not relaxed. I think like there's this like feeling that like, because mm-hmm. we hear people talk about Shavasana as like, oh, like, I, f- I felt like such a release and I felt so relaxed. And then maybe someone like yourself, Julian, like is like lying there being like, I didn't feel that at all. You know, like, did, like, did, am I do? Yeah, like, am I, am I, I need doing more. it wrong? Or like, and and the reality is, no, mm-hmm. like, you're not doing it wrong. That's that's the experience you're having right then. And you know, it, a challenging experience is still a valuable experience. Um, and it's it's hard to say that to someone mm-hmm. at, at the time. You know, like like someone who's going through a cancer journey, right? You're you're not going to tell them that, like, wow. This is such a valuable experience for you. You're going to like you're going to learn so much about your life because that's not what you should say to someone who's going through that. But it doesn't make it less true. Like they are going to experience new things that they never realized that they were going to experience. And I think people that stick with yoga and stick with, you know, being in Shavasana or going to a yin class, trying to find that time just to just to be a little bit more quiet, they are forced to have sometimes really challenging experiences. And if they continue with their practice, they start to find a way to to make changes in their lives. Doesn't always mean that it's going to fix the thing that they're experiencing, but it does mean that the way they move forward through life I think is is a little bit more deliberate, a little bit more, they don't force things onto the back burner, but maybe more likely to dive right in and, and deal with it. So there's a part of me that really wants to get out there, wants to do a lot of mm-hmm. things, that wants to push myself to the mm-hmm. limit, that wants to climb and try to do new ways of climbing, wants to go to places. But there's a part of me that, uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's really sad, you know? That's, uh, and I just discovered that uh, to the, just more recently, because one of the things that the hormone treatment does to me is it removes the filters. And when I feel sad, I get to feel mm. sad intensely. So yeah, usually what I do is I, wa- I want to hide that from, from, from Nefreen or from Julian right. or from anyone else. So I, the one who knows most about <laughs> it is Denver. Mm. So we go off on a long walk, and I'm really happy that I have a mask and my shade, mm. because no one sees the tears that's happening right. to me. Uh, that's that, that's that's who you are. and and what I think about those moments is, you know, it's a sense of fragility. It's a sense of everything so mm-hmm. transitory. Uh, but I treasure those moments too. My sadness is also very special mm. to me. It's a recognition of human of your own humanity, mm. of your own of your own vulnerability. That's the right word, vulnerability. So, one thing that I learned from both of you in class is. Don't be scared of vulnerability. Mm. So when you encourage me to do a difficult move and I do it awkwardly, or when I cannot do a move, that's and it's okay. That's about being comfortable with being vulnerable mm. and being comfortable with not being on the top yeah. all the time. 
if you had something to advise to other caregivers, what would you tell them? I mean, there might be other people who are trainers like you or people who are caregivers like you, Julian. What would you tell them? What would you Honestly, what I learned through my experience is to listen more and not just assume things um, and not labeling a person because he has this cancer or something else. Just treat this person uh, as a human and don't label. And uh, like my journey with you, Clark, I mean, we lived in the same place for a few months. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes feel that you take care of me, you know, when I'm down, I'll tell you and you make Mm. me cheer up as well. So it's both way, you know. I don't see what we did together, Clark, as such stark roles of, you know, trainer versus trainee or teacher versus student. I I just see it more as like we hang out and have fun. and We just happen to like do these crazy things together. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, I mean, I I think in in general, I've been on the receiving end of being um, injured. It's not even close to being the same thing. But, um, you know, some of the similar feelings of being really, really frustrated, um, sometimes elated at the smallest little thing that I could do. And what I wanted from other people at that time was was to not just see me as the invalid. So I was in a wheelchair for a while and I couldn't walk. And I remember, you know, just being outside in a wheelchair, which I never really noticed how hard it was to get around. And Mm. kids would stare at me, right? And I remember one time a little kid pointed to me when I was in the wheelchair and, you know, called me a grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) And I was devastated and angry, sad and angry. It's obviously not the kids' fault. They just equated that with being, you know, old and frail. So when when we started, quote unquote, training together, um, I did ask Jonathan because Jonathan had been, um, you guys had been doing one-on-ones first. Mm -hmm. I asked Jonathan, oh, is there anything I should be aware of? And I thought Jonathan really gave this advice, so I'm going to steal Jonathan's (laughs) words. (laughs) Which, you know, I remember Jonathan saying, you know, just treat him like any other person. (laughs) You know, I think he just wants to be challenged. I was like, okay. I can do that. <laughs> and I appreciate it because I understood that. Like, I, I really do like a challenge um, that uh, someone yells at me. <laughs> It'll make me try harder. Um, so that's, but I think you need to be mindful of the person you're with. This is something I've had to learn, and I, I probably have broken my own rules uh, on this podcast already. Um, but just to talk a little less sometimes. To say the, the three magic words of, I don't know. You, Sue, you've said it right off the bat, right? It's just like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm equipped, you know, to, to deal with this. And, and there are going to be times as a caregiver where you, you just aren't equipped because you aren't having the same experience. And so it's really important in those times to not try to make something up. You know, just say, I, I don't know. And I, I need to find what I can promise you as as your caregiver or as your teacher or as your friend is that I'm going to do my best to to go do some research and find an answer for you if it's a question you know that that you're that you're working on or to be like you know what I don't know what do you think you know like talk and ask questions it's a two-way street in these kind of relationships it's never just a, like Sue was kind of mentioning like this 
I'm a teacher, you're a student type relationship. It's, <laughs> it's, it isn't that, especially in these one-on-one situations where you're, you're also seeing yourself as a quote unquote caregiver, which can put a whole lot of, of pressure sometimes on an interaction where you feel like you constantly have to be trying to look after, you know, like to, to look after that person and to really like check in on them. And, and honestly, sometimes like that type of, of attention can put a lot of pressure on the person that's, that is receiving the care. So I, I guess for myself, the advice I would give is be really open to asking questions and, and listening. Yeah. Like Clark, sorry, remember when we were, we were having this chat with Clark's friend and uh, her, she, who had cancer um, a while back. So her friend asked her, what do you want me to do? And she said, make me dinner every Tuesday. And then they had awesome. dinner every Tuesday. She made her dinner every Tuesday without speaking about anything else, you know, speaking about general stuff, but not about, you know, yeah. what do you want? What do you need? What do mm-hmm. you know? If I can interject with an anecdote. It's COVID related. Early on in the lockdown, I got a text message from Sue and she said, are you going to be home in the next 10 minutes? And like Queen and I replied like, yeah. She's like, okay, come downstairs in 10 minutes. So I went downstairs 10 minutes later, Queen was up on the balcony waving and Sue and Mike, Mike's her partner, showed up and gave us two big bags of groceries that they'd picked up. Uh, Toilet paper? um, No toilet toilet paper. paper. Better. It was all stuff from this really great uh, Korean uh, grocery store. And so it was like noodles and vegetables and eggs. And like, honestly, I I just about broke down crying right there. There wasn't anything specific that she had asked, like, can we help you with anything? It was just like, you know what? I know they like Korean food. I know they like like vegetables and things. We're just going (laughs) to bring them something that that helps. Um, And that type of stuff, I think, is like... That's the magic in life. You know, it's lovely, like, hearing you guys, like, you met through yoga and climbing, but then you became, Mm. you know, friends, and you speak to each other without any filters sometimes, (laughs) and you speak what's on your mind, which is great, you know. It's very important to have friends and to have people that you can speak out, Mm -hmm. you know, speak what's on your mind without judging, without... You know, I used to do, uh, do Tai Chi, and they told me, there's no beginning and there's no end. So it, this is the friendships as well. And, the, you know, the, even the flow, with the flow, with the breath, there's no beginning and there's no That's end. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it's really true. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, you know, thank you for bringing this, making this conversation happen. One thing, you know, Jonathan's already said this, but, you know, Clark, you jump in, you do the thing, you get it done. So thank you. I think conversations like this, you need to create opportunity to have these conversations. This is such a precious moment. Mm. Um, I really want to highlight one thing that you already spoke about, Clark, which is, you know, the intense feeling. And sometimes that feeling is sadness. Mm. I really do think people like you, the doers, the people who get stuff done, the people who challenge themselves, who inspire others, I think they feel deeper. I think seeing both, like when you talk about the yin and the yang, I think that, Clark, is what makes you so powerful, is that you're able to see and feel that intense sadness, the darkness, and still and still get up and do all the things that you do. (laughs) 
I think that's just mm-hmm. amazing. So thanks. Lou, could you say that again? Can you still hear us, Clark? <laughs> I think we lost Clark, I think. <laughs> uh, on the call. On we the are case. all there except Clark. Oh, no. I think I missed the, um, the last part of what Sue was saying. Oh, do you think it recorded or not? Um, oh I, think it, I think I, it was it didn't record. Uh, oh, talk about what a jerk you are, Clark. <laughs> <laughs> since you left, yeah, since you left, we were able to talk about you. <laughs> this is recorded. This is on record, Sue. <laughs> In, during one of our, during one of our sessions, um, I remember um, you said, uh, "Listen to Ramdas." I'm going to read the uh, stanzas of a poem that was inspired by something that Jonathan and I talked about. It's called "I Am Loving Awareness." So, I am loving awareness, not you or we, but myself learning loving my time off from others. I am loving awareness. Not tomorrow's dawn or yesterday's sun setting, my mayfly moment. I am loving awareness. A defiant verb, an adjective gently linked to the next word, thought. I am loving awareness. My breath, my body, dying, living, learning that wonderful moment. We hope you are enjoying Celebrating Adversity, a podcast for people living with cancer. Help us reach out, share the podcast, support our GoFundMe campaign, and tune in for the next episode. We also recommend that you listen to our episode playlist, try the Yin Yoga and Sound Healing session on the Fair Yoga's YouTube channel, and read about the dreams of Nicaraguan scholars on the Key Education Project website. You can find the links in the episode description.